Know your neighbor. It's not asking much. Simple, humane, and we'd like to think a logical approach. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Know Your Neighbor is a platform for constructive but brutally honest discussion on varying perspectives of race relations. We're approaching it in a simple way, by having a conversation about it, allowing perspectives that oppose our own, and listening to understand. The aim? To know your neighbor. This simple gesture should be better for us all. Hi, my name is Keenan Karlsa. I'm a South African currently living in the United Kingdom. Being outside of South Africa has actually just made me realize more how much I love it. How's it and welcome to all the listeners. Wandi Limatondo here, born and raised in KZN Mlazi, now living in Johannesburg. Trust you guys will enjoy the podcast. And I'm Aubrey Roo, a 32-year-old Afrikaans-speaking white guy living in Cape Town. In today's episode, we look at some of the barriers students have to face when coming into tertiary education. We look at difficulties ranging from personal issues to societal issues and potentially some solutions that we think can help solve this issue. Okay guys, so tonight we are quite excited to have two new people on the recording on Know Your Neighbour. The first person that I want to introduce is Angula Lucas, who is also our editor at Know Your Neighbor. And then we've got a, a guest tonight joining us in the conversation, uh, Kitso Seti. Uh, we want to talk tonight a little bit about education in South Africa. And I think as most of us would know, education is quite a topical Uh, point not only in South Africa but actually across the world but tonight we want to be focusing on its impact in South Africa and in South Africa there's an experience of like extreme dissatisfaction with the access to education and that being at scale and a lot of that currently has to do with like financial access Uh, that seems to be one of the key challenges and we want to explore that a little bit and really ask ourselves like what are the problems that surround this challenge and then also just what might be potential solutions to these problems. So I want to just open up the floor to give us your take on student protests, the lack of access, how you see it. I know we all from very different backgrounds. Some of us have left university long ago. Some of us are still quite close to university or university students. So we all might have very different experiences, and that's exactly why we want to talk about this. So, Kitsa, you didn't leave university too long ago, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm still here. I'm still here. But you're still at university. Okay, great. Well, then it's, yeah. it's ex- it would be excellent to hear from you. When we arrive, it becomes a culture shock for us, a new world that we would never imagined for ourselves. Yeah, we think of having an access to three foods, uh, an authority of three foods per day, uh, uh, hot water running shower, a room, a bed for yourself, whereby now there won't be those dynamics of sharing beds and everything. Mm. And then, yeah, I think many, many things just within the rest. Then as you leave, Whereas going to school, also the campus becomes a new thing, new way of learning. Everything is quite, quite new, especially how we get taught. Because right now I'm a tutor for first year politics and 
they're struggling with these kids because the way we, we, we be, or the way we teach them or the kind of education that the university gives is quite different about to how we were taught. And me, I did maths and physics in high school, and then here I arrive, I do social sciences, and it becomes a whole entire uh, funny thing that's difficult for me. Mm. But, and then we'll go on the issue of the finances. Now we get to experience uh, these things whereby, oh, at first we chase out this catering company called Fetix, but oh yeah, they're giving us uh, ugly foods here. We chase them out. But also we realize at some point that maybe it's a, some sort of a privilege for us or not. We, we never used to this thing in high school. We didn't have the feeding scheme, but you never chased them away, even though the food would sometimes. And then now comes 2015 when we start the roads must fall movement. But also from there, we extended to fees must fall because we realized that there's a thing called uh, estimated family contribution that you must pay. Yeah, especially for those who are on financial aid. But how do we pay it when we don't have this, this money? You see, oh, also the other shock is that you get an assurance of 200 per month from, from uh, NSFAS. And then we hope that at least have an and, and, and food at the same time. So, yeah, we, we now, like, yeah, because these fees should fall within themselves because now we do not afford the university. Firstly, we protested as roads was fault because we did not belong. We felt like the university does not, uh, what's this word, represent us as mm. the best university in Africa, but representing uh, Euro, Europe or Europeanization or whatever word prefer to use. But now also on the issue of funds, we don't feel accommodated to the university. We have to pay these much monies per month. But also the extent can is that there's a thing whereby you do get uh, excluded within the university if you don't meet a certain requirement, but also the fees like, why should uh, we pay to start because we're promised that this thing will be a, 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 a right. It's a, it is a human right that you need access to. So without money, now we're not studying. So within the country for you to be a student is to have money. So it becomes a confusion to us, asking ourselves, what is actually happening in here? The president stops, says that, okay, there won't be increment. And then we say, nah, and some students celebrate. They say, no, we did not talk about increment. We're talking about uh, paying. We don't have money to pay. And now there comes, and then we say, for, for oh, there comes those tricky uh, uh, dynamics. So we say it's free for everyone not only for those who can or cannot. So uh, now, like, okay, we must be accessible to everyone. Those become going with a problem within the movement because you say, if we don't be accessible to everyone, start their own private universities and give themselves good quality education. And then us here, we receive this uh, weak education, the same education that we've been receiving for the past 12 years in, in, in the townships, you see now. And then it's also those kind of dynamics that became even a problem within uh, the, 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 the movement. But also that a problem is the issue of increment. Some celebrating, thinking that everything is done now. Since Jacob Zuma said that there'll be 0% increment, now, okay, sharp, everything must be uh, jolly and merry. And then we're like, no, man. But also coming to this day, because it's like five years later now, but still, we still have the same issues that we're crying for way mm -hmm. back in the day. And we still cry about the movie now. And then people die in the country because they're trying to, to, to protest and then this brother dies while commuting or walking from wherever he was coming from, going home. But also that becomes another issue within the country whereby a life of a blood person is equal to nothing because you can just be killed and then life carries on. In five years, in five days time, or oh plus, now not many people will be talking about him and no justice will be served to him because it's easy, you can just kill a black person and carry on with your life. The same thing that's happening uh, within, uh, the township. I think let me just stop there for now. Mm.
Yeah, and and what is interesting, I mean, there's so many different things like threads to pick up on there. I mean, the first thing that sticks out to me is this disparity between high school education and higher education and even just the access to like good meals and nutrition. So there's a whole world to unpack there. And, And actually, I mean, on some of our previous episodes of Know Your Neighbor, we've spoken about systemic racism and how we've kind of got to fix the whole system from the start. And I think in the South African context, if you take it in the life cycle of a child, it's almost more important to make sure that we can get children through primary school and high school well nourished with the necessary food that they need to actually take in the knowledge that they need to there before we even get to higher education. And then is the the notion of free because i don't i'm not sure and i'm not convinced that anything in life is free if someone is is not paying it only means that someone else is going to pay kini angula what do you think i always think of uh, you know the the saying that if you want to get out of poverty education is like your best bet right if you can educate yourself you can elevate yourself out of poverty eventually um, so I think in, in, in that sense, um, education being accessible to everyone is really important because, uh, you know, like through education, you can give yourself opportunities, even if um, you're not poor. When you educate yourself, you enlighten yourself and you improve yourself, you develop yourself, right? So education in itself is a, is a really important thing that we all need to um, explore and we all need to be exposed to. In terms of education being free, it's really, really, really difficult for me because I completely understand them. Um, what um, Kitsa was saying in terms of like, you know, um, many, many kids come from um, from really disadvantaged um, areas where people don't even like have uh, hot water and, um, you know, like reasonable housing, all those kind of things. So there's definitely kids that have the ability to go to university, get the, the necessary marks, but then they have got no means to pay for it. Right. But um, I'm, I'm a little bit conflicted because I was also in a situation where my dad and them couldn't afford to send me to university. So through me being able to get bursaries and, and those kind of things, I, I managed to um to go to university, right? But I, I just think like uh, it's really difficult not to be pragmatic about the actual cost of making education free for all. And also just taking into account the state of the South African economy, you know, um, that's basically a state of austerity in South Africa at the moment with all the budget cuts. You even think of it, some of the richest countries in the world the USA, here in the UK, um, other rich countries. Um, there's no free, like, universal high education for all. You know, it's a case of people get their, get access to um, to primary and high school education. But um, then when it comes to tertiary education, there's, there is certain fees involved. So I 100% agree that, um, that education is really important and it should be accessible to everyone. But um, just the, the the reality of the situation is that it is so expensive to um, to put kids through university because the cost involved to get kids through is, is so high. It's definitely not an easy issue to fix, especially in a South African context with um, taking into consideration the economic uh, situation there. And Kenya, we've often tried at Know Your Neighbor to not get into like political conversations. So I'm going to really work hard to to facilitate us in a way that we don't need to get political about anything because it shouldn't be necessary we should just be able to have conversations and um, in the south african context however one one 
can't ignore the amount of corruption that is unfortunately part of well, corruption and mismanagement that is unfortunately happening with taxpayer money and um, state-owned enterprises. And if one just had to imagine a world in which there wasn't corruption, I'm not saying that would necessarily make free education possible per se, but it might put us in a much better position in a lot of other things. So leadership is important right now. I just want to say that, um, yes, there is 100% um, uh, corruption, but yes, it is an issue. But um, we don't know to what extent, maybe like in terms of education and so on. So I just want to throw it out fast, not to put that blanket over everything. Sure, sure. What do you think, Mr. Editor? Um, so in essence, my educational experience when I went to varsity was also very diverse. I had the experience of going to a Model C school. My final years of high school, I actually did a part-time through night school and I did night classes. So there I could actually see the resources that the school had during the time. And you really come to appreciate, for example, I remember my primary school had its own library. They had their own computer labs. They had their own science labs. You know, it was the whole works. And then you go to high school and then like five people have to share one book kind of situation. And you start seeing, okay, cool. And you don't have a math teacher because somehow the school can't afford a math teacher or there's not uh, things like that. So going to university, obviously for me, it was, it was much more than just a physical experience, but also a cultural experience where you, where you get to expose to a world beyond your world on the one end and also just you have to go through the whole process of culturally adapting to that because mm. there is the actual world the physical world the buildings and everything the people and the culture that you actually have to adapt and fit into when it comes to like group dynamics and especially when you're in cape town at uct it feels like you're not in south africa or the south africa that you know mm. you know mm. Cape Town that you know rather. Mm, yeah. So that was a very tricky situation for me. When it comes to just access, I really struggle because I'm on the side that actually does kind of believe that education should be something available to everybody, you know, but at the same time, also knowing where this country has come from, you know, this problem didn't fall out the sky. I actually believe that we are at a very privileged point, to be honest, that we can actually decide how we are going to handle this situation. So I really, I'm actually hopeful, to be honest with you. And I'm happy the conversations we are having Mm. uh, are being had right now. Yes, I I must say what I'm realizing through what you're saying is just the importance of understanding people's experiences of things. Because if I listen to Kitso's experience and I listen to, and and listening to it is so important because it's, if you don't actually take the time to listen, you will never understand it. And Kitso had a, had a certain experience, Keenan had a certain experience, and you had a certain experience. And those three experiences were very different. I mean, I'm going to tell you my experience. It's very different to all of yours, then it's super privileged. Um, and, and, but it's important to say it as hard as it's going to be to tell you about it um, in this experience is that, that I, I never paid a, a cent for my own education. My, my parents were in the position where they could pay. I know that they went through financial challenges to do that, that I only found out about after I had finished studying. Um, 
But the reality is that was my circumstances. Now, if I take that through each one of your circumstances, no one who is on the side of white privilege doesn't exist can argue that it doesn't exist if you just listen to this conversation. Because you have four people on this call from very different backgrounds um, who had radically different experiences. That in itself, for me, is like a, it's a penny that drops. Yeah, 100%. And um, yeah, I, I agree that like all our experiences are different, but um, it was it was always going to be different because unfortunately, like we're not all like in a level of um, on an equal playing field or whatever. But that is how it is. And um, guys like you, just also throwing it out there, like uh, it's it's just um, not almost comforting because I don't want to sound like I feel like a victim, but it's just so a good feeling that someone like you can like take a step back and like just realize like this is actually the situation and hopefully um our kids one day doesn't necessarily have to go through the same experience yeah i mean i, I suppose that the hopefulness that that hungula speaks of is i mean i can tell you as well that my grandfather is a man who was born in the depression years in the world his folks couldn't afford to send him to university so he never became a doctor even though that was his dream his whole life he just kind of accepted that and and applied himself to what he was doing in a tradesman job and is probably one of my biggest role models in life for how he has applied himself to his life. He's raised great kids, super happy family. They didn't have loads, but they had what they needed. And I'm convinced he will go one day a very happy man because he could do that. If I think about Angula's hopefulness, there's a story of a man, he happened to be white, but he could have been of any race, and he changed it for the generations ahead. And yeah, so I think we, there is hopefulness. I, you could say, like, who am I to say? The white guy. <laughs> but, um, but I think, yeah, there's opportunity. So Yeah, 100%. And um, all people can say, it doesn't matter who they are, like, if you can... Um, identify a situation where there's hope you can say it. no matter black, white, whatever you can say it especially on this call Abby, you can say yeah whatever you want to say <laughs> we often don't put enough uh, emphasis on like a working student in my case you know I, I didn't necessarily have the, the, the means to 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 go to university my, my, my dad and them didn't have it but like it was never in my mind to actually go to Bloemfontein where I studied and like go do a job where I can, you know, like uh, pay for my, pay for my studies. And, um, and I just think it's just the psyche of South Africa, you know, um, I think there's, there's, there's sometimes a, a case where, where we are too dependent, you know, and uh, we, we're not um, independent enough because I just feel for me personally, it was never a consideration to go to university and, and perhaps work to pay for my studies because I, I, I kind of just like felt, you know, um, if I, if I'm going to be going, uh, I'm, I'm either going to get a bursary or, you know, I'll, I'll come to the, to the UK wherever to play cricket that, that, that would have been my, my other option. So I just want to throw that spin in the works in terms of the psyche of, um, how we look at financing, um, university studies. I think that also, I think it's one thing that we don't usually or mostly talk about the issue of a working student because yeah, it becomes too much and now where do you uh, focus more because you do need the money especially at home it's this thing that people call uh, black tax yeah mm -hmm. and then at home uh, they need the money because you've been studying here you promised that after four years you'll be done and then you go to work and then mm -hmm. 
you, you'll take us out of this township place that you don't like, but we found ourselves in. And then, boom, you're still carrying on with, with uh, education again, but there's nothing to show for it. So what happens? The more years go by, the more you need to take bigger jobs or many jobs that will bring bigger monies. And then the more you do that, the, more atten- the less attention you focus on your studies. And then that also gives a chance of you towards failing within your studies. And then mm-hmm. if you do happen to fail and not meet a certain requirement, financial exclusion becomes a thing again. Mm-hmm. And now you are here. You don't have money. You don't have school. And then what do you do for yourself? Depression takes care of you. Kitsa, uh, I'm quite keen to hear more about how you see black tax as a white guy who, who doesn't understand how that works. How does it work for a student if you've now be, you are in the position to go to university? Be what would the expectation be, and, and how how would that affect you, and when would it affect you, etc.? Oh, how do I start? It's like your family becomes a burden towards you. Now you have to forcibly. Uh, take care of them or you are forced to take care of them. Because you know it's a thing that you should do. Maybe it's an instinct if you don't want to then you don't want to just don't do it. Don't go around calling it, uh, giving it bad names such as uh, black text. So mm. it's it's that thing whereby you are taking care of the family mm. through your money. But also when you look at it, the issue of taking care of the family through your money, it goes back to the issue of why the family does not have money. And you mm. try to ask why mm. does your family not have money? Why was there yeah, yeah. an invention of the word black tax and then we never heard of another tax, it's just tax and then black tax, no white tax and no other tax <laughs> in the country. So <laughs> there's a very big reason behind that thing. Yeah. And as uh, Kinan has said, throughout the history of the country that we all know, maybe sometimes don't want to speak about, but we know why maybe some people are, are where they are. So Yahangula Mailita, can you please also help? In respect to the matter of the black tax, I see it as a matter of conscience when you know you come from an environment where everyone is struggling and you somehow are making it out or um, somehow living better, sometimes it's internal. I think I would like to believe most of the time it's internal. And other times, obviously, it's external. People actually tell you, look, we expect you now to help us um, and make this situation better for us and so forth. It's basically just knowing that the people behind you and around you are struggling. So, yeah, that's actually all I can add to the whole black tax situation for now. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, I, I think that's, I mean, we're talking about caring for those less fortunate in a very specific context. I have white friends who supported their families keeping jobs while they were studying. Um, literally, just my understanding of black tax then, it's quite a specific there's like a rules-based thing on how it works. But I would like to understand that because if one understands it, then you can also, you know, you, you can have more empathy with the situation. And yeah. Um, so is there anything that, what do you think people can do, normal, ordinary South Africans to, to shift the, the situation? Yeah. Uh, when you check, it becomes quite difficult now to, find things of solution or it becomes an individual thing because the system is a problem on its own when it comes to leadership and it comes to the history when it comes to other things but now the issue is individually you as a kid so what can you do within this thing i think it becomes now on you that uh, when you try to be honest to yourself and say that funny thing that but just work hard and stuff and because the system works with uh, 
lucky blacks. I can say the system likes only lucky blacks, and some of us have bad luck. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you, our, you're saying lucky blacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it goes, so it's only by luck. But but what makes that luck? Let, yeah, what? We know in South Africa who is poor. Besides that thing now of just taking some and some. If we if we I'm not saying we generalize, but we know who is a cartoon boy. We know who is a security guy. We know who works in the kitchen within the country. We know who is an employer who stays closer to where they work. And we know who takes hours to go to where they work. And then they take more than 60% of their, of their income towards transport. And then when they are late, there's a very good chance that they might be uh, fired by someone who stays maybe a couple of minutes from where they stay or they decide because, yeah. And then the others are super verified. We do know there's a reason why the, the, no, the, for the, sure. the blacks there's are not no close by to, to the CPT, you see. So it's such things. And then if we know, why do we know? I think it's based on that. And then now the issue of when the blacks are poor within themselves. So the issue now of, of, of education, the issue of other things is the issue that you don't have land, you don't have access to education. And then now we act as if some blacks, now it becomes the privilege to us. To get education in the country becomes a thing of privilege. So now Kito now must rejoice because he did get access to education and then others uh, are, are not. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very valid point. What you've just described there is essentially the system of inequality. Abes, if I, I can just um, uh, add, even myself sitting abroad here, I can still vote and somehow I can keep people accountable, right? I still don't feel like um, like real solutions has been made because every year it's, it's almost like a, a reoccurring theme that comes up in the beginning of the years where you see protests, but we you do need to keep a finger on those people that you put in power. So that's me personally. Uh, I, I'm not a, a rich man or whatever, but um, you know, like we can also like club together to help like one or two kids because even though what we're doing is is not is not a lot. But at least it's like helping one other person. So, we we, we must not like devalue the the impact that you can have as an individual as well. Even if it's a small impact that you're making, you can still make an impact. Angula, any closing thoughts from your side? Um, yeah, man. What I really believe that we really really need to do in this country of ours, to be honest, is there has to be like proper proper acknowledgement to the real reasons why we are here and we are why we find ourselves here. And then on top of that, I really do think that it is everyone's responsibility, you know, for us to get ourselves out of this. And I really feel that we should make investment in early development specifically because we suffer from one of the highest illiteracy rates. But obviously we are an African country, so there are countries worse than us. We have the biggest gap between um, the poor and the rich. Apartheid was a lot of law and policies that were put together basically. And since 1994, we didn't really undo the infrastructure. For example, black people were put in the townships away from resources, mm -hmm. and then they were given Bantu education. Now, if you look in certain places of South Africa, you still see kids learning under trees. You can still see the remnants of that system. If we could really just put more resources into the communities and the areas that need it and really make sure that you can build up those resources. I, I'm sure that you would see less and less protests of the nature that we see today because these protests are really valid. You know, mm -hmm. I don't like seeing the protests. I don't like seeing the nature the protest takes, but I understand where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. And yeah. 
on the individual level, we need to take account and responsibility for where we are as well. We really need to do more as individuals, I honestly feel. Like, for example, we really need to, as a people of color, stop just trying to move out the, the, the neighborhood once we get money and plow back into the neighborhood rather. I honestly, if I was up to me, I'll put a tax. <laughs> it's gonna be able to really say this on white people. <laughs> But I also put That's the right. tax on people. Yes. That, I would also put a tax on black people that go to university, because you guys now have been you have been empowered. I feel it's wrong for people to go to university and then just make it a it's a me me issue. No, for example, simple things like maths classes, English classes, mm -hmm. literacy classes. I think if people within those communities can be equipped and then give back to the communities, the community in itself will change, man. On your suggestion about white people being taxed, I don't have a problem with that. The white people in the circles that I move in, my peers, most of them would say that they, they know that they're supporting the wrongs of the past by ta paying tax. And very high tax, considering the services that you get in South Africa. There's a lot of wrongs. We've said that so many times on this con in this conversation. There's so many things we need to fix. Um, there are a lot of wrongs of the past that we need to right. And we, I agree we need to do more, um, all of us, every individual. Angulas, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. I do also think, and back to Keenan's point earlier, that we need to start keeping leadership accountable for the power that they are getting because they are getting our tax money and they are not delivering good services that that tax money is intended for. And that is a disparity that, that does deserve a proper conversation as well. So I'm, I'm not challenging your thought or your idea. I would like to understand it because if maybe it's a good idea, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, like I want to just clarify that I don't mean that as oh we want the land or we want the money back or you guys should suffer or anything like that. Just in case it gets misinterpreted as that sense. But <laughs> I but, did. But maybe maybe we should. <laughs> I'm also not saying we shouldn't. So I'm I'm of the school of thought that we we should be as privileged white South Africans. We should be working hard to fix the wrongs of the of the past. I agree with that. What that looks like, I don't have all the answers. Um, this kind of, these- Sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Not just like white South Africans needs to work hard. All South Africans need to work because South Africa's got problems. I'm not critiquing what you were saying, but I just feel like, um, you know, it's not white people's issue. It's South Africa's issue. So come let all South Africa get together. White, black, colored, Indian, everyone gets together and solve the issue. Can I please come in to ask on Kiran? Kiran, do you remember that uh, from 94 or from 93? This is the thing that we tried to do. Oh, let's come together under this uh, rainbow nation. Uh, we win African Cup of Nations. We win uh, Rugby World Cup 1995 mm. or 6. We're coming together under this. Uh, Rainbow let's Asia. work together. Yeah, let's work together to fix mm. the country. Imagine on the 26th of April, me and Abe were, were, were bus and a, a garden boy. And then on mm. the 27th of April, now apparently we, we, we are equals, we are citizens. Now what changed? Justin 
few hours and because of some patterns being pressed. But also as that happens, <laughs> I still stay in that house that I was staying in. It still stays in that place it stays in. There's not that much difference. The difference is just now in what we say with our mouths, but also yeah. in, 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 in the actual facts of the things yeah. uh, it's not possible. So this issue also, you must also entertain this issue of working together. Uh, mm. There's a song by, by Naki Dume, Hey, brother man, Indian man, we gotta come together as one. And then like, no, time up, please relax. Yeah. Because we, we try to come together as one to, to, to do what? Are we gonna be sincere? If we're gonna be sincere, let's ensure now that we don't hold blood, we don't agree when some things are being said so that we become 100% uh, honest with each other. And then we're not trying to, uh, what you call massage on other people's things, yeah. but we're trying to go to the truthness of, uh, of the thing. Yeah. I see Hangula's dog is getting emotional again. <laughs> so, yeah, if we're gonna yeah. work together as well, let's ensure that we start as uh, Abel was saying, we start on zero, zero, or maybe uh, we try to see, because some people in the country, I don't think they're starting at five. Some people are starting just, at seven, just like that, because, uh, as we know where the problem stems from and also the honesty we need uh, the honesty uh, to not just come here and then be like oh yeah let's just work together so we always keep on having the same same problems yeah kids i don't expect um uh, us all to um all magically like want to work together right but the the point I was just trying to make is that I don't feel that Aubrey must make it like a white people's responsibility to solve it. It's South Africa's issue to solve. We are all part of South Africa. So that's why I say, um, you know, like, let's all get a behind one vision or one goal to, um, uh, uh, to eradicate these issues. The feeling, if I just have to be brutally honest, to pick up from, from Kitzo's honesty required, we're ending on much less of a high than we usually end on. However, I think that is truthful. I think this is an issue that that requires more thinking, more discussion. It's it's not an easy thing to solve. Um, but like Angula was saying, I think through more conversations and understanding each other's context better, there can be hope. Um, and I think on that note, I want to just say thank you to, to Kitsa for joining us and also just for your honesty and, and uh, saying it as it is. Um, that's what we want and we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we look forward to continue tough but fruitful conversations. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Moss. <laughs> Cheers, right. man. Throughout our conversation today, we realize that we all have different experiences when attending university. Differences ranging from how we finance our studies, cultural expectations once we finish it, and also our state of mind when we are at university. The answers are not always as simple or straightforward as one would assume. One thing that is certain, however, is that it'll take all of us walking hand in hand to change our future for the better.